Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sutkus. Together we host the Silver Screen Savers podcast, and today, fellas, we are talking Top Gun Maverick. 36 years after the original smash hit, so many people have been waiting for so long. If you want to jump right into that conversation, there is a timestamp available in the episode description. A couple of things first, of course, our weekly watch list. Matt, what have you been watching this week? So, I've been catching up on some Cronenberg and some Jurassic Park movies in preparation for some future episodes. I also saw Top Gun Maverick twice, and the second time was by far even better than the first time. A slight spoiler to my opinion that's going to come later, but there's that. Um, Watched a couple short films. First one was The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, which a very disturbing film. It's early Ari Aster. Uh, The less you know about it going into it, probably... I don't want to say the better, but the more effective it's going to be. Mm. Um, as far as just, like, disturbing, gross content. Um, having read the synopsis ahead of time, it shocked me that it was as good as it was. Because I thought it was just... Reading the synopsis, you make it makes you think it's just gratuitous for the sake of being gratuitous. But I can see, after watching this, I can see how Ari Aster started to catch on and eventually got his deal with making Hereditary for A24 and eventually Midsummer. Like, it's very, very on point for Aster, but it's also just very disturbing, and I'm not going to go into the plot here because it's just, yeah, it's that gross. Um, that, and I watched another one. It's called Cool Blue Car. Um... It had one of my favorite comedians with Patty Harrison. It also, I forgot the name of the guy who was in it. It's just like a 10 minute adult swim short. It's weird. It's bizarre. It's like weird, bizarre, but it's like funny. It, it's on very on brand, similar humor to like, I think you should leave, which is where I first started to notice Patty Harrison. And, um, it's like that brand of like weird adult swim humor. But I liked it. It was fun. It was a nice, funny 10 minutes. Random, but cool. And that's about it. All right, Tyler. So I watched The Boys on Amazon. Uh, Let's you know, go. Show about the, the dark superheroes, you know, the thing we've heard a million times. But I think it's just, it's wild. It's fun. It's ridiculously over-the-top gory and everything. But um, if you haven't seen it, absolutely give it a chance. I haven't seen much else this week. I 100% back that. The Boys is fantastic. I've never watched one minute of it, but you guys highly recommend it, so maybe Absolutely I will check that watch out. it, yes. Um, I watched a few new movies this week. Three. Uh, tell you about Duel. This is placed in a world where people can be cloned to replace themselves after their deaths. But when a woman, Karen Gillan... She must duel her clone to regain control of her life when she unexpectedly recovers from a terminal illness. That was a really odd synopsis. I know it was kind of vague. I don't want to give too much away because this is a very like interesting concept of a movie. It's very similar to, we talked about Swan Song late last year um, with Mahershala Ali. Similar to that, but this one is a very different tone. It's written and directed by Riley Stearns. Previously did like The Art of Self-Defense. 
I admired some things about this movie. It doesn't totally work. The tone is very specific. Everyone is very deadpan in this. It is almost like the lobster tone, mm. the Yorgos Lanthimos movie. And I don't mean to like compare this movie with that. I, I don't always like that kind of criticism, but just as like a reference point, that's kind of what it's like. The tone doesn't really fit the premise super well, though. Karen Gillan, as I mentioned, is playing dual roles here, her original human self and her clone. But even when she's the regular human role, she's acting and speaking like a clone would. Um, and it's just kind of jarring. She's good at what she's been asked to do. And it works for the scenes, like, especially the comedic ones. It's pretty funny, especially the ones between her and Aaron Paul, who is like her trainer for the duel. But some of the more serious dialogue is like seriously undercut by the tone. You know, it's humorous, it's interesting, it's just not the best version of this story. It's on AMC Plus if you want to check that out. I do think a lot of people would be entertained by this. It just didn't get all the way there for me. I also watched Emergency. Uh, this is about a night of partying at a Northeast college. Three students of color find an unconscious white woman in their living room. They're hesitant to call 911, so they try to fix the situation while avoiding suspicion from authorities. Is directed by Carrie Williams, written by K.D. Davila, and a very fascinating script. And this story, the script, it I like it because it refuses easy answers, right? It keeps the morals very gray throughout the movie. I think the performances are the strongest part of this, particularly Donna Elise Watkins in the main role. He really nails a climactic scene. Every once in a while, you see somebody go through a whole movie and then they just like fire off at a cannon at a late scene, and that's what he does here. RJ Seiler, um, and this person I hadn't seen before, Sebastian Chacon, who was, I thought he was amazing, he was sensitive, he was hilarious. I'd like to see a lot more of him, he was great. The movie's interesting, it is insightful about discrimination, racism, and like it gets to something about inherent fears because of a history of discrimination that not a lot of other movies do. It's another one that, like, it doesn't get all the way there. It drags a bit at times. I can't really articulate why this isn't, like, a total knockout movie. But there's a lot of great stuff here. That's on Amazon Prime. I recommend people check that one out. And, guys, I got to tell you about Fire Island. Have you guys heard about this? No. Oh, I have, yeah. It It's awesome. It's about, it's on Hulu. It's about a group of friends who take a week-long trip to Fire Island, which is a popular gay vacation spot. They're searching for lust, romance, maybe even love, as they deal with discrimination, broken relationships, a host of other complications. It was directed by Andrew Ahn, previously did movies like Driveways, which was Brian Dennehy's last movie, written by Joel Kim Booster, and kind of a retelling of Pride and Prejudice, um, based on that story, the Jane Austen famous world famous novel this movie is an absolute delight it really is it perfectly balances the light and the dark it's so funny and whimsical but the themes of friendship romance bigotry are so well woven into the story each cast member is so charming not the least of which are joel kim booster bowen yang who you may know from snl uh and this actor conrad ricamora who i hadn't seen before but he is playing this character who you can tell is like hiding this really soft core in this standoffish exterior. Whenever I saw him on screen, I just wanted him to stay. I found his character 
very fascinating. It's one of those movies that seems much longer than it is, but in a good way, which is mega, mega rare. I think it's only, I want to say, an hour 45. I could be wrong about that. But they explain during the movie that time on Fire Island just stretches out. So a week could seem like months in the real world. And they really capture that feeling, which I think is super cool. Uses a lot of rom-com tropes wonderfully. And the many relationship developments are believable even within the week timeline. I recommend this to anybody. Uh, is an excellent watch. I'm glad I gave it a shot. A couple of casting bits of news. Matt, do you want to present the casting? Sure. We got a couple, a couple new bits of casting news for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, including Daniela Malchior, who was a standout for me, at least, in the, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Um, she's officially been announced as part of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, also by James Gunn. And then the other one I'm also very stoked about is Maria Bakalova, the standout f- star of Borat, the subsequent movie film. She has also been cast in it in an undisclosed role. Just by that, I'm like... I was already pretty excited for Guardians of the Galaxy. I love the IP. I love James Gunn's work, both with Marvel and DC. But like to see these two added to an already like pretty stellar cast, I am all in on Guardians Volume 3. I don't know about you guys. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we talked in our, our Marvel special episode about how much I love Guardians of the Galaxy, particularly the first one. I am curious about how much of a role they're going to play in Thor Love and Thunder. Um you know, I, I would love to see them in that, but if they're not in that, we're getting the whole solo movie. So, yeah, love both these performers. I'm excited for it. I, I already know what Tyler's answer is going to be. I mean, I'm fine with it. I got it's James <laughs> Gunn, so I'll accept it. But, I mean, it's more Marvel, so, you know, I could yeah. take it or leave it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, the more <laughs> Thor stuff I see, the less I'm into it, which I wish it wasn't that way. It's still Taika, though. It's still Taika. Yes. Yes, it is, but we'll see. You guys ready for Top Gun Maverick? Woo! I've never been more ready. So, this one, if you don't know, is about Maverick. Maverick has avoided military promotion for all these decades, but he is tasked with training new Top Gun recruits for an important mission. This is directed by Joseph Kaczynski, written by Aaron Kruger, Aaron Warren Singer, Excuse me, Eric Warren Singer and Christopher McQuarrie, who we talked a lot about in our Tom Cruise career podcast. Check that out. Story by Peter Craig and Justin Marks. Matt, what did you think of Top Gun Maverick, and would you recommend it? So, I, I uh, as I said on my Tom Cruise take, I've never been a big Tom Cruise guy. He's slowly chipped away over the course of my research for that episode, and then this I was just blown out of the water by this. I am on the Tom Cruise wagon 100%. Yes. Um, it's just... It was... It had no business being as good as it was. And it's... And you know, it... Yes. Tom Cruise was great. But I think... He was only just a pillar... Of, of multiple pillars in this movie. The ensemble cast, like the, the young flight crew was just fantastic... Uh, John Hamm in his part was fantastic. Um, the flight sequences, the effects, and like the the camera work, and just like the the way they film the f- the plane sequences, 
that that just like that superseded any anything anything that the story threw at us. But mm. with that said, the story was also beyond serviceable. It like it was engaging. It was thoughtful. It didn't feel too like preachy. It didn't feel too like military advertisement like I was expecting it to be. One thing I appreciated that they did with the story is they said, yeah, the this is an unauthorized thing that they're going after. Minor spoiler. We're not going to talk too much about detail yet. But they didn't say what country or what or who was necessarily in charge of the thing that they were after and trying to beat. It was just like, this is the enemy, go get him. But they didn't like add any extra like xenophobia or anything that wouldn't have been really necessary for the story to still work. Yeah, yeah. Granted, there was snow instead of sand, but <laughs> it was still a, a nondescript enemy country, which I, I think is fine, because you don't need people being like, oh, yeah, I get those so-and-sos, you know, because I felt like that would have been would not have been necessary. Yeah, we just got Jon Snow instead of Jon Sand. Uh, Tyler, what did you think of this? So this was genuinely one of the most fun times I've had in the theater. It was just like such an old school style blockbuster of just action and comedy and just it works so well. As someone who wasn't that big a fan of the original Top Gun, even on rewatch, I wasn't. I, I heard all the praise for this movie and I'm like, there's no way this movie can be that good. Like, it's not possible. And I went in, and you know, for the first bit, I was like, yeah, this is just overhyped. I'm not a fan. By the end, I was so into everything that was going on. And I loved every minute of it at, towards the end. Like, I just was blown away by how good this was. Uh, it turned me into some, like, this is a movie I enjoyed seeing Miles Teller in. So that should speak to how good this movie was. Um, but I just, like, if for a movie that literally, like you said, Matt, like they're just like the enemy. We need to stop the enemy. For a movie to use that and still come off as being good, it's it's a rare feat. Um, I think this movie is good because it. If you didn't see the original Top Gun, you won't be lost here. Mm -hmm. You can kind of quickly catch on to what's going on. Um, but it it does give you a reward kind of for seeing it, like the Iceman uh, Maverick relationship like to see that payoff was worth it um so i love those scenes i genuinely cried during the val kilmer scene i miss val kilmer so much in movies i love seeing that um sorry if that's a spoiler but um just i, I, I recommend anyone see it if, if you weren't a fan of the original top gun that doesn't matter if you never saw the original top gun doesn't matter you you will get you know like i said you will get the kind of bonus from seeing the original one but even if you didn't you can catch on and it's just a lot of fun i um i only wish we could recreate your reaction tyler to walking out of this movie the other day because <laughs> i i was so freaking happy for you because i i enjoyed this movie a lot <laughs> when i saw it the first time but i i ended up seeing it twice like i said i saw it twice and the second time was with tyler and I've never seen him so stoked about a movie. <laughs> I don't. I don't think ever, except maybe Everything Everywhere early this earlier this year. But even then, that I don't know if that quite was the same See, level. Like I said, like this is probably tied with number one right now for Everything Everywhere. But different things. Like this movie was just pure joy. I came out of this so pumped and amped, yeah. and it might just just all, his eyes almost bulged out of his head when I said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love I, this movie. <laughs> I can't wait to hear Mike's take, though. Let's go. Um, 
I I'm on a bit of an island here. Let me let me say this right now. This is a very well done movie. I it is better than the original. Um, at least in a certain way. The original has its merits. They both do their own thing. I think this is a better movie. The action is incredibly visceral. I know people say this a lot, but this really is one of the movies that just would not be in the same league if you don't see it in a theater. I have to say that. Everything about this movie is very likable and enjoyable. You guys, if you listen to the Tom Cruise episode last week, you heard me get hysterical about he's one of my favorite performers of all time. Love him to death. I don't love this movie. Um, I've heard such effusive praise over the last week. People are like, like they took ecstasy. They're going nuts over this movie. I don't quite get it. I It's good. Uh, narratively, it's pretty much Top Gun again with some slightly different conflicts. They did fine-tune some things. There are a lot of the obligatory recreations of certain scenes, which it makes sense in a legacy sequel like this. Um, this one did have a nice emotional core, some questions of like, what do you do when you're forced to push forward in the face of your biggest regrets? It's still silly at parts, which is appropriate. Um, like I said, a few improvements, some things that are still not quite there. One aspect that kind of bothered me a bit. Ultimately, I think if you're someone who has a relationship with the first Top Gun, you're going to love this. It writes to the fans, but in a good way. If you're someone who hasn't seen the first one or doesn't like it that much, you're still going to enjoy this. I don't know if it'll be your favorite movie ever, although, Tyler, you seem to be uh, disproving that. Exactly. Yeah. One thing I do love about this, and there's a lot of good stuff. I'm overall positive on it. I'm just not crazy over it. One thing I do love about the production is the commitment to the theatrical experience and to the practical effects. Through long delays, many production changes, all this like crazy training and camera stuff they had to do uh, with the performers and the crew to get these flight sequences. But the mission to be theatrical didn't waver. I'm really happy that this movie exists and that it's getting the reaction it is, even if I don't love it. And it's just like, Cruise, man, you did it again. Like, wow. It's just, it's so nice to see a movie that I hear so many people like loving and having a good time going to the theater doing it. So hats off to the cast and crew for that one. I just want, I just want to piggyback off of one thing you said, which is something I wanted to say, but I forgot to in my initial spiel here is that yes, this is definitely one of my favorite movies of the year so far. And it probably will really last towards the end. But, um, when I think about my, like my top movies of the year so far, by the end of the year, one thing I think this move that might affect this movie's staying power as far as like top movies of all time tier. Like you said, it really is an experience in the theater. It's a very good theatrical experience, but I'm not sure how some of the some of the elements to this movie, especially like the plane sequences are going to translate once it hits streaming and VOD and even, or even like Blu-ray or anything. Yeah. I don't hold that against the film. It's it I, I don't to be in a movie theater. No, I, I, I don't hold it necessarily against the film, but like in six months, if I go to watch this again on streaming, I don't know if I'm going to have the same excitement that I 
did when I saw it in theater, other than just having that nostalgia moment of like, oh yeah, this was awesome in theaters, but I'm watching it on my normie, like, not bad, but not XD Cinemark level home theater. I don't know if I'm going to have the same, quite the same level of excitement, especially during these, like, plane sequences, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later, about how visceral they were. Um, I don't know if it's going to have that same effect going going on as time goes on, which is what keeps it from being, like, number one of the year for me. I think that's going to knock or count against it, but still very good. You guys are going hog wild over this thing. I'm, I'm shocked. This movie's even better on my iPhone 4. Ridley Scott was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. I mean, Ridley obviously took it a little far, but he did have somewhat right. of a point. It is a tribute to his brother, so. Yeah. 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 Uh, late great Tony Scott. Do you, both of you guys agree that this is better than the original one? Or what By what does that far. even mean better? It's 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 better narratively. It's better action. It's better in every way. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I still haven't seen the original one, so this is the only. I'm I'm like afraid to go back and watch the original one now because I have a feeling I'm gonna be let down. Um, it I, they offer different things. The first one is a bit sillier. There's some more kind of campy moments that a lot of people like. I don't know. I they don't. One doesn't. The second one doesn't exist without the first, but I, I do think it's a better movie. The performance is everybody's on the same page, and I think it's really wonderful. We have Tom Cruise as Maverick. Maverick um, kind of as gets a little more interesting in this one. He is somebody who has shirked kind of being promoted, um, and he just wants to fly. Right? We get the beginning scene where he's trying to get to Mach ten. Um, one of the best scenes in the movie. I think I love that, that, that was really wonderful. And but he is not somebody. I don't know. He just didn't seem as ambitious in this because in the first one he wanted to be the top pilot, um, and he gets kind of close. And he just kind of seems that that's where he wants to stay, right? He doesn't want to rise in the ranks of the military or anything like that. So and he's a man with regrets and also seems very lonely. He just he's alone in this until the ridiculous romance, which we, we can get to in a oh, second. Oh come on. But... That wasn't that wasn't that. Oh bad. oh my god, I'm gonna go no. off about this now. This is ridiculous. No. But come I'll on. you, you I'll, it was I'll like, keep it, was it like, happy for a it moment. It was in like two minutes of the movie. Getting it's it's not that it's 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 fine. It it's fine. Do you wanna do this now? I think we should wait till spoilers. I, I don't know if there's much to spoil, but okay. <laughs> you know what? Fine, let's do it now then. I'll just say Jennifer Connolly, who I love, is playing Penny Bennett, Penny Benjamin, and she's really just narrowly escaping playing female role number one. That's how it really felt to me. Uh, she's a wonderful performer. I think this character was very underwritten. I think their romance was really lame and just kind of like, oh yeah, let's let's couple them up. It's all good. I, there was no meat there at all. There didn't need to be, though. That's, Honestly. You could have just taken this out of the movie, and you, you would have gotten a shorter run time. I just don't yeah, but get who it. Would have, who would have told him he can do it? <laughs> That's true. There does always have to be a woman yeah. to tell who's, Tom Cruise that he can do it. Whose house would he have snuck out of Yeah, I, one like, scene? You could have cut all those scenes, and it would have been the exact same movie. 
Yeah, but you're telling me you would rather see a movie without Jennifer Connelly? Come on. No, but I didn't didn't particularly enjoy those scenes. I don't, I just I didn't think there was anything to it. I don't know. It was okay. It wasn't. He bad. put his phone on the bar, so he had to pay all the tabs. <laughs> we're we're gonna talk about that scene when we get to spoilers. Um, but I thought Jennifer Connelly lifts a performance and a role that was underwritten um, in a sequence of movies that is not not female focused, and it showed here. I think. Um, we do get Miles Teller as Rooster, who's the son of Goose. I thought the relationship between him and Maverick was one of the strongest points of the movie. What did you guys think of that? I gotta say, I lied. The real reason that I shaved this mustache into my face <laughs> is because I wanted to be more like Miles Teller as Rooster. Wow. But you thought you'd never say that. Oh, no. A week ago, I would have been like, no. No way. But, uh... I mean, it's 2022, man. Anything can happen. I I enjoyed it. I I like Tyler was not a big Miles Teller fan going into this. And I mean, anything else that Miles Teller's in, I I probably still am not going to be a big fan of. But this this was this was fine. This was good. If he does more stuff like this, I'm here for it. Yeah, I liked it. It was you know this interesting question of Maverick, like kind of trying to act as a surrogate father to Rooster after Goose is gone and then like the regret and the guilt surrounding that. I enjoyed that very much and I, I did enjoy Miles Teller's performance a lot. He seemed very tuned in without like being over the top. Uh, Val Kilmer coming back as Iceman in just one of the best scenes of the movie. Thought it was very well done what they did with him. So I was very impressed with that. And then, you know, we get John Hamm, we get Ed Harris. Ed Harris in a control room. That's, that's in his contract. He's always got to be in a control room. And hats off to the Truman Show for the ultimate Ed Harris in a control room role. I thought, uh, I thought Ed Harris was underused in this. He Very was underused. So, yeah. But he, he was good for what he got. Uh, we get Bashir Salahuddin as Hondo. He's a fun character, also star of Cyrano. And then we get, you know, we get all the new people. And I like the new people. Monica Barbaro is Phoenix. Glenn Powell is Hangman. Here are some of the <laughs> some of the names. Payback, Coyote, Fanboy, Omaha, Harvard, Yale, Halo, Bob. And maybe with Halo, Master Chief was in there somewhere. Uh, our Halo, Halo, Harvard, and Yale weren't actually in it, right? They just came in the bar scene, and then we never I think saw them so, again. Yeah, they were. They were the. They were some of the ones that got cut. They were there to be cut. Because yeah. like, but did they get cut, or they're just like at these are were, these guys, and then they, they just never showed they, up. Again. They were put in reserves because you know the story was following Bagman and Phoenix and Bob, among others, <laughs> Fanboy did, and Coyote. Did the Bob thing work for you guys? More than I expected. When I saw the like the character posters and they were and they were listing all the names like Cyclone and and Phoenix and Hangman and I saw Bob, I'm like, oh, I, I kind of rolled my eyes on it a little bit. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. They're giving him a normal name for his for his uh, name, but uh, I, it worked better than I thought it would. They didn't overuse it. I think that's what I liked about it. Yeah, uh, I do want to mention. Kelly McGillis, of course, being uh, one of the stars in the original. I just wanted to mention her because she was not asked back 
for this movie, not asked to reprise her role. Um, and in an interview with Entertainment Tonight, and she was asked, you know, she gave a theory as to why she was not asked. Here's a quote from her, quote, I'm old and I'm fat and I look age appropriate for what my age is. And that is not what the whole scene is about. I'd much rather feel absolutely secure in my skin and who and what I am at my age as opposed to placing a value on all that other stuff, end quote. I just want to say my hat's off to you, Kelly McGillis. I think that is wonderful. I would have liked to have seen her in this again. I think she did a great job in the original, again, for a role that is not always the best. Um, but I, I would be, I would be uh, sad if we didn't mention her here. Same with Meg Ryan. I don't know what happened as much with Meg Ryan. That I will say that would have been a nice surprise if she had come in this, had a scene with Rooster or something like that, but she didn't. Not only do they not mention her, she's briefly in a flashback where you like see her out of the corner of the flashback. And I'm yeah. just like, wow, they really did her dirty. <laughs> Seriously, she looks fine. She could have been in this movie. She does, but again, I just, yeah, I, I just wanted to mention her. So the enemy... We don't know who the enemy is in this, um, and I do applaud it because, like, calling out a specific country, I think, would just be a foolish move for this blockbuster movie. Like, there's no reason to do that. It was kind of cartoonish, I have I will, to say. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, the fact that I, I still like this movie, despite the fact that, like, the enemy's bad and we got to stop him was yeah. impressive. <laughs> but, I mean, you're using Russian planes and Russian helicopters and it's in the snow. I mean, we can, yeah. we can kind of figure out who the enemy's supposed to be. No, I get that. I get that. I was telling I was telling one of my coworkers about it. I'm like, you know, I really appreciate they did they didn't call out a single country when they were talking about the enemy and the first thing he said was, Oh, was it snow or sand? I'm like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also, you know, they did not need with this. And again, I agree with the choice, but they didn't need like the shot of the inside of the enemy cockpit where it's like a guy with a black helmet. You can't see his face. He's <laughs> a mean a dude. That was a tribute to the Migs from the other. <laughs> yeah. I just like that. That they, they specifically like never showed their face, and I think that was a tribute to that. He's yeah. a bad guy. He's got no face. Well, it kind of flies in the face of like the anti-militarism. Like I feel like these two movies have always tried to be not like promoting warfare. I think that really that, that message has gotten muddled. I'm saying trying. I'm not saying succeeding. I don't think this movie tried at all to not no. be like they're like look how cool these planes are. Well, that I well I in the original there was a big effort to promote all that stuff without promoting it like being violent. Again, I don't think it totally works, but that was seemed to be the intention. But in this one yeah, it still makes the military look incredibly cool. There is a discussion of, like, a kill count at one part, which is, like, just literally celebrating the amount of people that you kill. Um, not fantastic as far as anti-militarism intentions go. To be fair, go. an air-to-air -air kill doesn't mean a kill. They could eject. It still counts. So. Excuse me. I redact. They also showed an Air, a U.S. Air Force commercial before the screenings of these movies, so it's not like it's not there. <laughs> oh but yeah, this is the Navy or the Navy. Also the uh, the Tom Cruise. I did like the Tom Cruise intro, where again it clearly seemed like he was reading from something, which is okay. It's just like whenever they do that, it was the same with M Night 
before old. Like, the <laughs> yes. eyeline never matches up. <laughs> like, what, what is going on? There's real FDTs. <laughs> I can't wait to be bringing you back original thriller stories. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's the same thing. But I really like that, though. Uh, the the way that they shot these, the performers had to learn how to film themselves in the cockpits of these jets. They're using these IMAX Sony full frame cameras. The athleticism in this movie is quite remarkable, and apparently there are like 800 hours of footage for this movie, and they had to whittle it down to like two two ten or whatever it is. <laughs> If they wanted to make this authentic, they should have just given them the planes and just got the actors into them and just said, you fly this plane now, and we're going to record it. I thought that is what they did. At least with Tom Cruise. Yeah, pretty much. So I I thought that was quite remarkable. All right, you guys have anything to say before we get into spoilers? No, I think we pretty much covered it it pretty well this week. So we're going to get into spoilers for Top Gun Maverick after a word from our podcast friends. Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my God, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Ooh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know, murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dine and Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! Alright, and we're back with spoilers for Top Gun Maverick. Fellas, we got... You know, I was looking through the list recently, and I'm like, am I missing something? Because I feel like we haven't seen too many PG-13 movies but this is a PG-13 movie, and it does have one F-word in it. And it is when uh, Maverick and Rooster are like flying their final escape mission, and that enemy plane pulls that like move where it just like pulls back and like hangs in midair, and Rooster says, what the F is that? So I thought that was a pretty good one. I don't know if it beats Moonfall, but that was a good one. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a contender, I think, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the bar scene. Let's let's talk about that. I love this scene. 100%. Um, well, one thing I I'm not a big fan of. I don't like pissing contests in movies, and we get a big one in the beginning with the new recruits. It was a clever way to introduce everybody. I thought everybody was very good. Um, not not my favorite thing, but the part I really want to talk about is the cell phone thing. <laughs> so, he, Maverick meets back up with Penny. He's using his phone to text Iceman about like a super important matter. Can I just can I just mention here because I bring I, I think of this every time a movie shows texting. Iceman was lightning on those the texts. The world's fastest text. Like he it was like he was reading Maverick's mind as to what he yeah, was gonna it, say so he could type it up first. Well, he couldn't talk, so he probably was doing a lot of typing in these days. 
Yes. I mean, no. when he typed on the computer, it was like one key, one key, one key. <laughs> he typed it out slowly. Yeah, his text, he's like... Yeah, I, I'm... Texting in movies is something that doesn't bother me, but it is like kind of comically off all the time. Um, but so he's he's texting a long, long time friend about something super important, you know, like life and death matters here. And then she's like, hey, there's a tiny little sign behind the bar that says no cell phones. So you have to buy around for everybody in the bar. How much do you guys think the tab was for that? Because he hands her a fat stack at the end. Oh, yeah. Not... Also, I think people get multiple beers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. it definitely was bigger than that stack he gave her. And then he's like, well, he doesn't have the money, or his card was declined, so we're just going to throw him out onto sand, and he can't be in here anymore. You know, you know who would flip out at that scene? John Taffer, because they gave away a yeah. lot of free alcohol. <laughs> This, this bar wouldn't be yeah. failing if you look at this. <laughs> uh, would would anybody be this cheerful? First of all, when they said overboard, I thought they were gonna throw him into water. They just throw him onto hard sand, and then he's just like, "Ah, you guys!" And he just walks off alone into the night while everyone's inside having fun. Well, he that he was wa- very awkward. Well, he doesn't he doesn't walk off at that point. He goes to look back in the window, be like, "Man, I wish it was in there." Seeing. Great balls of yeah. fire with my pseudo son. I mean, what a way to flirt with an old flame. Throw him out of the bar. Yeah, <laughs> but the the great balls of fire thing, that was good. I don't know. I, didn't didn't. I thought it was a little goofy. Drinks. Why is he singing the exact same song? Because <laughs> they sang it in the first one. Man. I get that, but they Still. showed they showed the scene of the first one, and he was sitting on the piano while. The yes, I was... know. I saw the first one. I just thought it was a little ham fisted. It was <laughs> I mean, a little. Obviously, bit. he remembered that song from when he was a toddler, and was like, "I like this song. I'm gonna learn how to play this on piano so I can play it 30 years later." In a bar. Also, how often is he playing it? Because everybody else knows it too. Yeah, well, you know, that's like, a good oh, point. Guys, though. come on. That's a good point, He's though. Everybody just knows balls. the words to this sixty-year-old song. Yeah, I. It is okay. Um, the you know there are some repetitions of this. We have the great balls of fire. The opening scene where they play Danger Zone. That pretty rocked. Much, yeah, it was like, it was the right tone to set. I will yeah. give them that. It was good. Um, and then they didn't overdo it, which I appreciated. What do you guys think? If we're doing volleyball versus Nerf football scene on the beach, which one wins out? So I, I liked volleyball just because volleyball makes sense. I don't understand what was going on with it. They're playing offense and defense at the same. That's football. There's (laughs) offense and defense on the side of every football game. (laughs) But they had two balls. (laughs) Yeah, but no one's playing defense. Everyone just catches. How do you even like what? How do you know what you're doing there? At, no, because at a certain point they stop keeping score. <laughs> I I personally I like the dogfight football. That was just me. It was yeah, it was fine. What's worse that that scene, or <laughs> is it the Rocky three scene where Rocky and Apollo are like on the beach in those neon colored tank tops and they're like splashing each other in the water? <laughs> I don't know which is worse. I don't know. Only one was set to One Republic. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah. 
One big thing about this movie that I really, really appreciated is that no one had to die. You know, um, in the beginning, we get Goose, who, you know, dies uh, uh, trying to eject himself from the jet. And then this one, especially during, like, the final mission, you're waiting for somebody to crash, somebody to crash. And, of course, um, Maverick crashes, but he's okay. Uh, But I, I did like that. I feel like so often... People are pushed into having narratives go into, well, this is going to end in somebody dying because that feels like a conclusion. And it's not. Like, no story, well, some stories have to do it, but not not as many stories have to do that. So, good on them. My, well, my thumbs up to them for that. Well, Maverick does allude to that earlier, like, when they first give him the mission and, and when he's like, when he's like, well, someone's not coming back from this. I, I was yeah. fully expecting someone to not come back from it. So, it was a nice subversion of, of the expectation there. For sure. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it didn't feel like under underdone or anything. Like it didn't feel like a weak move. It felt like no. a smart yeah. choice. It definitely did because I definitely thought they were gonna kill someone off. I did think the the most ridiculous scene was when um, Rooster makes the shot without guidance. What are you, Luke Skywalker, man? Uh, it, it was incredibly <laughs> Star Wars. It was incredibly Death Star. It was. Like, and even like the, the missiles even like looped in, like, yeah. <laughs> like they're going yeah. straight, and I'm just like, whoop. Yeah. You know what they should have killed is that love scene. Oh, stop. Get that out of here. Stop. stop with their like just these random flashes of like we're on the couch now we're sipping some shit. Like what are you? Tell what you, is tell this? You what. Come on. <laughs> Tell you what, as much as I'm defending this, though, I will admit that is the first time I saw it. That is the point when I decided to go to the bathroom. I'm like, okay, I know where this is going. I'll be back. In this there. was the most like neutered romance scene I have seen it in was, a very long time. It, it was fine. It it, it was. That's fine. the best you can say about that it. That is the best I can say. I'll I'll give you that. But it was fine. It's better than the Eternals. Yeah, exactly. It's better than a really awful movie's version of it. That at least was funny. This I thought was just blah. I, I can't. And then I mean, it did it better than Top Gun One. <laughs> it did. However, Take My Breath Away remains the best song within within the series. Um, <laughs> one way they could have improved this, you know, at the end when he's going back in the bar with a thousand dollars in his hand, apparently in like a money <laughs> clip, and he's going to hand it back, and there's the elder gentleman. Jimmy, I believe his name was, and he's like, oh, yeah. you know where she is? If he had just started making out with Jimmy, that would have made the whole movie for me. <laughs> that would have been great. It would have been fitting. <laughs> it would have been fitting for Pride Month, so I would have been I would have been fine with it. Jimmy would have gone, oh, you're here to see Penny? He goes, not anymore. That would have been the best possible <laughs> ending to this movie. Yes. 100%. Okay. <laughs> And Penny would have come in, he would have gone, oh god, here's your money, and then he would have gone back to Jimmy. That's the romance this movie needed. Play Take My Breath Away to Maverick and Jimmy. <laughs> the final mission scene, uh, really great stuff. I also like the scene where he's like trying to prove that he can do it, do the mission in like, what, two minutes, 15 seconds, or whatever. It's it's all great. It's, uh you know, Maverick sacrificing himself, Rooster going back to him. Again, the black helmet and the helicopter, not great. But then uh, Hangman saving them, a pretty, like, you knew they were going to get out of it, but it was kind of a surprising moment. I, I like that. The the scene when Rooster comes back to save Maverick and he gets, sh- like, shot down 
and then like Maverick's running after him, and then <laughs> when they meet up, and Maverick just like, or, or was it Maverick? It was Maverick, right? That just like pushed him over, and he's just yeah, like, "Oh, what the so. heck?" <laughs> he's like, "You told me not to think, just to do." He said, <laughs> "I feel like that scene could have been written a little better because they're like, no, oh, I good thought to it was... see you. Oh, good to see you." I I thought I, I, I thought liked was, that. I thought it yeah. was like I mean these are two people that just had near death experiences. I guess I, it know. was it was the I perfect was amount of goofy. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Straw Hat Goofy. Speaking. Of... <laughs> Can I be your movie guy? <laughs> hey hey hey! He's great. He's great. No, he's good. I, I, that's that's not a slate to Straw Hat Goofy at all. Love to have Straw Hat on the show. Uh, I, I did like the, the the Tom Cruise meta context here of he's always talking about uh, somebody's always telling him, oh, the old way, it's not working, not working, Maverick. He's like, maybe it won't forever, but it is today. That's that's the Tom Cruise movie star model, <laughs> yes. right? It's a dying thing, and it's so unfortunate. And it is amazing when you realize, like, wow, who else is doing this? You know, who else is opening movies like this? Who else is so committed? Who hasn't gone to a streamer yet? You know what? I, I was just having this conversation with my father earlier tonight. Um, we're trying to think, because on our last episode, we talked about how Tom Cruise is like one of the last movie stars where you can, he really has that certain level of draw to him. Like you can mm-hmm. put up a movie poster that says, Tom Cruise is Mission Impossible 16, you know? Yeah. There's not, I'm trying to think, who has that kind of cachet these days still? And, I mean, we were brainstorming, and I did come up with a couple. I was thinking, like, Hugh Jackman might be one. I love Hugh Jackman. Ryan Reynolds. I know how you guys feel about Ryan Reynolds, but realistically, if you were like, if you saw a poster, yeah. and it's like, Ryan Reynolds yeah. is free guy, too. Um, DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Like, there are still a few out there, but just... Army yes. Hammer. No. <laughs> the Rock? The uh, Rock. Has... Yes. The Rock. Like, well, I don't know what you guys think, but, like, there are still a few, but it's... Even those, like, I don't know if they hit the same level as, like, a Tom Cruise or even, like, a Nicolas Cage, say, you know? No, they don't. Well, Nick Cage is in a category of his own. True. But uh, check out our Nick Cage episode. You get what I'm saying, though. Yeah, so I like that, too. And then, how did you guys feel about the Lady Gaga song, Hold My Hand? When did that play? I couldn't even think. It played, like, at the very end oh, okay. in the credits. It was fine. I like yeah. Lady Gaga. I'm good with it. She didn't. She didn't have a weird like Russian Italian accent. So, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite musicians and people. I love Lady Gaga. I will defend her to the end. Um, I think this will. I'm guessing this will show up in the original song category. I mean, critics and audiences alike are loving this movie. Um, I'm sure this is gonna get a lot of below the line nominations come Oscar season. I know that's a long ways away, but. I have to assume that this will show up in, you know, sound, maybe editing and things like that. And I would think the song would come up. But then again, they always like the songs are always so random that nobody has ever heard. Tom Cruise for best actor. Let's go. As much as I want to see that, I like, no, come on. (laughs) One, it's not happening Two, I don't want it to happen. Yeah, You're you're right. It's going to be Miles Teller. Miles Teller, best supporting actor. I guess I, they always do something kind of interesting in that category. I guess. <laughs> right, you guys have anything more to say about Top Gun Maverick? 
I just want to say, there's a cool bit of real-world realism here, aside from all the Navy stuff, and that they have John Hamm willing to sacrifice, like, the pilots when he, you know, caused the death of a pledge for his fraternity in college, so I thought that was a nice <laughs> little parallel. Oof. Um, I, I don't really know what say. to say to that. Okay, <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> More people need to know. <laughs> okay. If you have any thoughts on... on Tom Cruise, Top Gun Maverick, so many people love it, which is great to see. You can write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. If you like the show, tell a fellow movie lover, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod, and our Facebook is Silver Screen Savers Podcast. Matt, what are your socials? You can find me over at MattyXSturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Tyler? Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkus and on Letterboxd at Tyler96. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallat and on Letterboxd at M Gallat. I finally updated that for the first time in months. Thank you all so much for listening. Let's continue putting Tom Cruise on the big screen. We'll see you next time. See you in the danger zone. Stay down to bone. Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created, written, hosted, and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sutkiss, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michel via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.